What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Veep After Show. We're going to be breaking down the series finale. I don't know how we're already here seven seasons later. Join us tonight to say goodbye to all of our favorite, just terrible human beings. We also have a very special guest, so stay tuned. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz Guys, Veep fans in the house. We got the balloons for Selena this time. We did, yeah, yeah. She finally got her balloons. We should have had balloons for the finale. <laughs> we really should have. Oh, I got man. something much better than balloons. We, we dropped the ball on that one. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Welcome back. Uh, I'm going to be talking about the season finale tonight. I'm Amy Maestri. Very excited not only to have the lovely Mina with me again tonight. Hey, everyone. Um, but we also have our special guest, Ben Makowitz, who um, does Turner Classic Movies, uh, also works on The Young Turks. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, happy to be here. Love, love Veep. Uh, thrilled to be uh, talking to you guys about it. Awesome. Yeah, I know. Um, you know, Mina has, has has worked with you a little bit and got to know you, and, and was like, you know, she's a big big politics fan, big uh, comedy fan. You were like right up the same alley. You're like, uh huh. Yep. Uh, uh, Mina likes to laugh, and right. uh, if you, and, and there's a lot of laughter that can be done at politics, as Veep has. Uh, Showed us so well. Interesting, like a lot of laughing at politics, but like no policy on this show. Like they yeah. never, they never talk about anything, no things that might make you know life better for anyone. I think it's one of the one of the strokes, one of the many strokes of genius uh, on the show. Definitely, they talk about how things could get worse a lot. I feel like that. Yeah, sure, right. But I mean, there are no actual debates about anything. There's just bargaining, right? Yep, that's everything, true. Everything is a commodity. All about the deal. Well, yeah, I think so tonight. We're just going to kind of break down this this final episode. Lots to talk about in that. And then we'll get into, you know, breaking down a little bit more about the se- the series as a whole. You know, any favorite moments or favorite episodes, seasons, things like that. Uh, and then we'll have some time to chat with Ben a little bit more later, too. So I think it'll be a fun, fun show tonight. Um, but let's see. So the last, last episode really left us off. Uh, with Selena still um, under under fire for the the droning of elephants um, after she thought she was off the hook. Okay, not Muslims, but the elephants. Yeah, yes. right, animals. God right. forbid. Right. Yeah. God forbid. <laughs> <laughs> Richard is now governor. Um, Jonah infected the entire world basically with one form of a disease or another, uh, and then we're, we're launched right into the convention. Um, so, what were kind of some expectations going into this episode? Go ahead, Mia. You know, I thought the the Meyer scandal would be an even bigger deal than what it was. I thought it would play out completely differently. Um, I thought that there would be like this huge deal with collusion in China, collusion with China, and I thought that would play out differently as well. So I was surprised that those um, those issues were kind of um, put on the back burner. Yeah, I think that was you know that, that was sort of, yeah because we were set up that China was going to deliver the election uh, for Selena and of course we, you know we don't know maybe they did right because really they couldn't tougher to deliver the primary right mm-hmm. yeah so the theory being that she sort of betrayed Tibet and the general and of course she won right she beat we don't see any it the confidence that they have to move ahead and move through time which they did throughout. This season, I, I admire that they were just they essentially there was it wasn't quite as dramatic as the wire, but there was very little handholding. Yeah. Like there's a there was a uh, as they sort of uh, developed the narrative structure of each episode, they say to their uh, to the viewers, you'll you'll figure this out. Like yeah. <laughs> like like and and they'll have so because but they don't hold your hand through. A, Here's what you missed. But then after like four or five minutes, you're like, oh okay. Many things have happened, yeah. right? Right, and here we are suddenly 
now here we are at the gym, right? She, I mean, last, we went from one episode where she's, you know, Julian Assange, right? And then that's <laughs> over, and she's the nominee, or at least at the convention. Exactly, yeah. They really do. I mean, the way that they're able to tie everything in like that and really just dive back into an episode and, like you said, not really hold your hand and just throw you into that world again. Mm-hmm. And, man, I feel like the writers just had a ball with this episode <laughs> with their insults. They're always coming strong, but there are a couple tirades in this one that was just like, yeah, whoo, Selena had a few, everyone was going off in this. The one with the chief of staff, um, with Jonah's chief of staff and Selena, or not Jonah's chief of staff, but Uh, uh, Tom Jones. uh, Yes, Tom Jones. Chief of Staff. Oh right, was... With the, which was really one of the one of the I think the really the the best actors uh, working today. I think Ray Seahorn from mm. Better Call Saul. She is uh, she's unbelievable. I mean, I think yeah. she can sort of do everything. Her I don't know. You guys watch Better Call Saul, but she's unbelievable on that show. And so I was thrilled to see both uh, Michael McKean and uh, and Ray Seahorn in this final season of uh, of Veep. But yeah, so right, that was a great moment. But that, of course, there was some strategy in that, right? I mean, that mm-hmm. was and, and again, we don't get the next scene which was her convincing Ray Seahorn to betray (laughs) Hugh Laurie. We just learned the next day that that it worked. And it it ties in perfectly with the hashtag MeToo movement and the hashtag Time's Up movement. So what I love about the show is how all these things are so relevant to what's happening in the present day, and it really feels like they've predicted things that are happening right now. It's crazy. Yeah, the parallels have been pretty impressive this season. Um, And especially, too, I mean, they took the year off with Julia Louis-Dreyfus battling breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And so the, the timing of this just kind of lined up pretty perfectly for so many of the things that are happening now and versus what was happening on the show. Right. I think the show got, it seems to me, and I haven't, you know, I, I don't I don't recall the exact tone of the first five seasons. I mean, we know it was hilarious um, and consistently funny and edgy and cutting, but it does seem like the last two seasons ramped it up more than a notch, like jumped forward two or three whatever our unit of measure is, right? (laughs) And uh, because we had suddenly, by season six, entered into the, the Trump's world, right? I don't know when they shot season six, but certainly the campaign was at least happening. We were sort of aware of who Donald Trump was. Mm-hmm. And that gave them, a, 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 it appears, a number of avenues which they yeah. explored yeah. in creating this Jonah character, this sort of young Trump character, with a lot of the attributes, without any of the success. Although maybe Trump didn't have any of the success either. But without any of <laughs> Trump's perceived success, uh, they created and Jonah. And then they also made Selena. She, of course, everybody had a little bit of Trump in them. It's true. It's true. It's, if we thought one was terrifying, just wait until we build a whole ensemble of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so let's kind of break this down by character because we have so many different moving parts in this one. We'll save Selena for last, I think, just because, you know, mm-hmm. she's the queen. Let's, let's admit it. Um, Tom Jones comes back. We're talking about his, uh, his chief of staff, but um, did you guys expect to see him in this? No, but I kept thinking, where is Tom James? How is there only one episode left? And the fact that he would time something like that perfectly and make a comeback, it's its so brilliant in a sense because you avoid all getting into, like, you know, the, the campaigning and the campaign trail and then people start to miss you because you let everyone else bomb and do a terrible job and then you come in as this Christ-like savior. Oh, I'm going to save Washington now. Now Tom James appears. So he, like, kind of came in at the perfect moment and I thought, oh, this is done. What I can't I can't believe this is the twist Veep is going with. This is crazy. <laughs> the amount of time that uh, the, polit- the world of political pundits, of which intermittently throughout my life I have been, and which my father was too, in a world I grew up in in Washington, D.C., the amount of time that we've spent 
sort of daydreaming, almost fantasizing, fetishizing a brokered convention, right? There, there are no brokered conventions. They don't have a world. I was like, but what if? And the first bout, <laughs> second bout. No, it, it doesn't, I get it, and it'll happen probably one day again. Uh, but and so we got to see it here. Like we got, like it was so exciting because the amount, again, the amount of time I've spent with my friends, both professionally and just over drinks, over coffee, talking about well, with the Mario scenario where Cuomo comes in at the last second. Uh, you know, none of it ever, ever, ever ever, ever <laughs> happens. But it was nice to see in Veep. And, you know, it, it's it's funny, too, because I feel like even the stuff with Trump that's been happening, we've all also been getting kind of like a political education these past few years. Like, before the Trump era, I kind of felt like, yeah, I have a good grasp on politics, I pay attention to current events, but then all these scenarios happened that it was like, oh, what if this happens? What if that happens? That were kind of presented. So, yeah, getting to see this almost like dream nightmare, I guess, of a brokered uh, convention. Uh, for yeah. Hugh Laurie, great actor, and uh, so, I, I, but I like that moment where he sort of can, comes in and confronts uh, uh, Selena in the room and how could you do this, like like what she did by turning Ray Seahorn against him and, and getting her sitting next to a Gloria Allred stand-in <laughs> and have, like, but his outrage was, I mean, like, dude, okay, I guess this was worse than anything you've done to her, but you have done to each other I mean, Tom James has betrayed her again and again and again and used her attraction to him against her when effective. Like, nobody should have any sympathy for Tom James being betrayed. Yeah, I don't know about you guys. I felt this was a very satisfying scene for me, just seeing him lose it. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, I felt like it was par for the course, but it just made me hate Selena, and I never hate Selena, because this episode was like, wow, the lengths she'll go to to become president just for this title, the, the promises that she'll make and then turn against just to secure that office, and then once she's there, she's not even, she's, she's not happy. Isn't it weird, though, about what it says about us, like who we are as people, that you didn't hate Selena? I mean... Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course we, still, like, we still liked her, even though no, she's so No, you put hateful. somebody on TV and you make an attractive, likable, uh, spectacularly talented one of the great actors of her generation, uh, uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus, and have her play Selena, and then you're so you're rooting for her, right? <laughs> even though she's she's literally she's, she's a terrible the, human being. the worst parent in the history of television, right? The worst. She's just brutal to her daughter for seven seasons. She was brutal to her daughter. Brutal to everyone else. Again, that little moment with Ben where he says, that, and when he's lying lay in bed, uh, Kevin Dunn, and he says, you know, I, I don't uh, don't tell my uh, wife and kids I'd like to have a little. And she's like, I, I don't know. It's okay. I've never met her. <laughs> you know, After right, that long. Right, that right. And, you know, and how horrible she was to Mike, how horrible she was to Amy. She fires Dan after sleeping with him. I mean, she's the. And Gary, let's not forget about Gary. I, I, may, I don't oh, know who yeah. I said for Gary. I think I may have said Tony. But yeah. yeah. No, I mean, Gary, she's the worst yeah. person there is on the planet. But yet you like her. I did too. Yep. <laughs> I think I, I, she has tr- some charm to her. I don't know what it she is. She has charm. Charm it's, goes yep. a long way. We were talking about we were reviewing Game of Thrones yesterday, and and, and that you know, you, but you know Jamie's charming, so you you want Jamie to do the right thing because he's exactly. handsome and charming. Yeah. Yep. yep. Julie Louis Dreyfus just the whole time just put on a clinic for how to play a character like this. I feel like for for seven seasons. Um, but let's jump into a couple of the other character storylines before we go into Selena. Um, so Jonah. What to say about Jonah? Um, he's right, as right as you can be, I guess, about uh, Muslim math was yeah. his crusade. And then, of course, twist of fate, it ends up working to his advantage. I think a highlight in this for me was seeing Amy just really go off the handle on Selena when she realized that she had kind of won, but then having to backtrack later on, like, oh, no, 
I helped Jonah Ryan get into a place of power. So what what were you guys thinking about Jonah in this episode? This actually told me way more about Amy than it told me about Jonah. Like mm. it really shows you that Amy to the core is a good person that stands with her values even when she goes against it. When she realizes the damage and destruction that she has created, she immediately backs up. She's not like, oh, let's go with this. I'll have power. She's like, no, no. What is this going to mean for our country? She actually cares. She, uh, she, uh, um, by the first, I want to say something sexist because I mean, she just she looked amazing, right? I mean, they had, that was deliberate, right? right? This sort of the um, after all those years of of you know the way that uh, the Julia Louis Dreyfus and Tony Hale mocked her, right? It was nice for her to have a little moment, I think. Um, but uh, yeah, so she has principles, but her I guess because her plan was never that Jonah would actually achieve anything. Her plan was just to get Selena. Mm-hmm. Was to stop Selena. That was her. Um, so that was a nice moment when both uh, Gary Cole and and uh, how do we say her last name uh, Chlumsky, uh, for both of them uh, when they are faced with the moment that that no Jonah was actually going to be the second most powerful uh, or one step away from being the most powerful person in the world that they both were ready to draw the line. And then of course neither of them did. Right? Because you still, (laughs) neither of them walked away. They both helped make that happen. Yeah, and then, I mean, when Selena's full force ahead, there's not much I think anyone can do to to stop that anyways, but... I thought when, uh, significantly, just uh, that that, that what ended with Jonah getting the vice presidency, when when Kevin Dunn is in the hospital bed and he says to her, you know what to do, and she sort of cries Mm -hmm. because he's trained her, I thought that meant to bargain to be the Veep. And I thought this show was going to end with her back as the vice president. Like, I thought Hmm. that it's called Veep. That would be sort of... But that's... As the shit, she has no political future. So she saves some political standing by becoming the only person to serve vice president, you know, under three different presidents or whatever the hell it was. You know, and... uh, uh, But it turned out, no, she knew exactly how to sort of cut... Uh, Tom down, and then she made the deal for Jonah. Uh, uh, you know when she, when it had to be made. But then we got that moment of Jonah on stage after they get nominated, and and his incredibly dumb wife. She's smarter than he is, but she comes up on stage and he uses the balloons as boobs, and you're like, holy, un- this is right. And and who's up there on stage with Selena? Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. Nobody. Nobody. Yeah. Not her kids. Not her staff members, right? Mm-hmm. Not uh, the you know, not uh, not Tony Hale, not Gary, right? So nothing. She's got nothing. Nobody. Andrew apparently alive. We got that little yeah. glimpse <laughs> glimpse of Andrew in Norway, right? Yeah, that's that's yeah. all we get. Yeah, that's right. all we get. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. To to kind of piggyback on Selena getting Veep, I kind of started to think that too when her and when they were talking about offering it to Jonah and her argument was like no like there's if you're veep there's nowhere you're trapped in a bot like just basically talking about the torture that it was for her to be veep right. so I, I was like oh god I'm sure that that putting uh, her ending as a vi- as vice president was I suspect significantly discussed unless mm-hmm. they knew all along that the sort of uh, blind ambition for power leaves you unless they sort of knew that they were going to have this 24 years later yeah. uh, moment. But I loved also Jonah uh, having a moment of genuine uh, manhood 
and standing up, like, no, I'm not going to take it, until everybody yelled at him. Right? Yes. Fine. Okay, fine. I'll be vice president. I Please thought, shut up. Stop yelling at I, me. I was hoping Selena would become president, and I thought when I was watching this episode that she would become president. I just not, I did not expect it to be in this way. I thought that someone would have to drop out of the race because of some huge scandal. I thought something was going to happen with Kemi's character, because remember, like, she had this the second most... Uh, the second highest number of points in of that delegates, yeah, of yeah, delegates yeah. in that race. So I thought there was something that would happen with Kemi that would make Selena the nominee by default. Right. I didn't think that she would actually win it in this way by selling out all of her, you know, core values that she never believed in to right. begin with. There's no core yeah. values. Yeah. There, we don't yeah. even know what she really believes. Nothing. We, we don't no, know yeah. if she, yeah. I don't think she believes anything so long as it serves her to become president. She sold yeah. Tibet. Gay marriage and what else? What else did I she? I actually have a list of everything she, she bro- sold. Yeah. And gay marriage, um, you know, the whole thing with oh, the trans fracking, LGBT yep. bathroom assault law, rifles, um, right. federal land, federal lands, uh, slavery free textbooks for Texas. Um, yeah, that's right. How, slavery free. Te- <laughs> how dare right. we Whatever. have the correct history of what happened in our nation? Um, and then obviously with the Meyer Fund, she allowed Gary to take the fall for that, which is mind blowing. Um, and also selling out by having Jonah Ryan on the VP ticket because then you're, you know, by relation to him, you are endorsing everything that he endorses, including, you know, the, the yeah. Muslim map. Yeah, the Muslim map <laughs> the Muslim and, and anti-vaccine. Yes. And, right, yeah. So. No, exactly. I, I think. Lot. Well, now that. Perfect segue. Let's let's jump into the, the Selena meat of the episode, really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think to to jump on what you were saying about Kemi, too, I feel like we, we had talked about it a lot this season. We kind of thought there was going to be a bigger payoff somewhere with Kemi. Yeah. They were setting it up a little bit more early on in the season, and I think we kind of kept waiting, and then they would mention it, kind of push it to the side. It's I don't like, know, Ben, were you thinking the same? I feel like Kemi got a movie. <laughs> you know, like halfway through, and they were like, "I oh, would sorry, we're just right around it. You need to come and give us a couple of days so we can get you in the in the background." And you know, because they shot her like on TV, so it's literally like she didn't have to be with the rest of the crew. So I don't know. I just I felt like that. Yes, I thought they were headed somewhere, and then you know, anyway, they they they're certainly capable of getting wherever they need to be. But I wouldn't be surprised if it turned out, you know, uh, like I it wouldn't surprise me if we if I'd found out that like Kemi was in Endgame. You know, and they were like, oh, it's a really big role. We're not going to keep it from you. We'll, we'll write around it. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. We'll figure it out. She's like the only nominee that wasn't hateable. That's probably in why, my opinion. That's yeah. Probably yeah. why they're like, you're too nice. We, yeah. we don't need you anymore. Yeah, there was nothing. All we find out is that she becomes president later on after Selena. So, That's eight, all we two, find out. two terms. Yeah, yeah two, two terms. Term, two terms for her. And two <laughs> exactly. terms for uh, for Richard Splett. Yes. Yeah. Um, so. The one one thing I noticed that was kind of killing me throughout this episode too. I actually thought they were going to kill Ben for a minute. I really thought I was just like, oh my god! After eight heart attacks, well, yeah. twelve, I think. twelve, right? twelve, yeah, twelve, yeah. Heart yeah. yeah. He was already yeah. on number twelve. Yeah, with luck, I'll have twelve more. Uh, he, uh, uh, I mean, they did kill him at least twenty by twenty four yes, years yeah. later. He is he is dead, <laughs> but nobody knows that. You know, I, I just can't. I mean, Selena on stage by herself, and then we get the six months later, and she's in the Oval Office, and it, and she's surrounded by you know the new chief of staff and by Ray Seahorn. These are people she doesn't know. Right, none of her people were there. There's no, there's no Tony Hale. There's no Gary Cole. She's got Sue outside. It's nice to see Sue. Back. I know. I'm so good. happy for her. But, but nobody else who matters to her. No Marjorie. No Catherine. No Andrew. Nobody who's who she. You know. No Amy. Right. All. Yeah. And she's petty about Amy, but she would kill to have Amy there. Yeah. Right? Amy's her friend. No Mike. 
who mm-hmm. succeeded again the the hammering cable news for <laughs> you know that Mike McClintock becomes a huge star. I mean, Matt Walsh so brilliant, but you know he's he's a moron, right? You know. That's why it was interesting to see throughout this episode the progression of it. Just it, it was literally just like people getting knocked off left and right. Of yeah. what way was it going to be that they were no longer there for Selena? You know, Ben's health. Kent just had it, enough of her. Finally, you know, when Kent says "fuck the numbers," right? That's bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, but throws his tie away, and then right. we see him twenty four years later. He's got an alpaca farm. It's awesome. <laughs> My college girlfriend has an alpaca farm, by the way. Apropos of nothing. Um, the uh, um, uh, and then the the best I uh, was uh, was Dan. And the only thing that I called correctly in the show was when we went to twenty four years later. I was like. Dan's going to look one year older, right? <laughs> Dan is aged. Not at all. He looks like he's wearing the same yep. suit, right? Everything, <laughs> Everything's fine. His wife was born in 2019. He's like, yeah, you got any properties in Laguna Beach? Yeah, I'm your guy. Perfect. Real so estate makes sense tan. for him. He's really good at selling things. I That's mean, true. Well, hey, he said, it. <laughs> he said it at the end. I got to get out of politics. So yeah. he did. Um, let's talk a little bit about a uh, very classic Selena episode in that she just traded and bargained for everything. Were there any moments in this one, like, kind of cringeworthy ones for you, of the things that she did to get where she was? Obviously, the Gary one is a huge one, I think, for everyone, but was there anything else along the way that kind of, one that stood out for you? Uh, certainly. Oh, the, the, I mean, gay, <laughs> gay marriage. You know, I mean, she, yeah. she, I mean we, she'd been so cruel to her daughter. But here's this moment. Even after she'd done the the you know the accidental stand for for the against the North Carolina bathroom law, uh, she backpedals on that, and then she bargains away a gay marriage for for Buddy Calhoun's support. You know, and I mean, that, and of course that's you know that is, there's a direct correlation there. That's a that's a Dick Cheney moment. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, where uh, Dick Cheney, after years of having been supportive. Uh, of his daughter uh, then wasn't when it came time to support his other daughter, right, in her race. Uh, uh, I, think, I think at that point may have been for the Senate, but uh, and now she's in the House, Liz Cheney. So, yeah, so sort of, you know, when the moment came to really take a stand for your kid, uh, 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 she doesn't. So, I mean, it's sort of confirmation of what you don't want to admit, Mina, yeah. right, But which, <laughs> which I didn't either, which is... No, she's awful. But people always she's funny, justify, but she's awful. Right. People always justify their bad actions because I don't think people really like to think of themselves as bad people. So with Selena Meyer, we see her justify that action and say, "No, honey, like politicians always make promises. We don't we're not going to necessarily, you know, deliver on that promise." She's trying to justify the promise that she made by saying, "No, no, I won't deliver on it." I, I, yeah, I love politics, and I and I like you know seeing how the sausage is made. I don't mind the horse trading, and I don't mind talking about the horse race. You know, and we're all told, you know, ah, it's just horse race. Well, the horse race is interesting, right? We had the Kentucky Derby was a couple of ten days ago. We were all into it, right? You know, why? it's a horse race. It's fun. The Preakness is another horse race. We're going to watch that too. Um, so, but politics is, and that horse trading matters. But at some point, right, you can't betray a core principle and that's where people make decisions about you like what are you willing to betray and she mm-hmm. was willing to betray she, Tibet you yeah. know yeah. standing there accepting the 
what was it? The Nobel, not the Nobel Peace Prize, the Nobel. <laughs> I think Peace, they called the Junior Peace the, Prize, right, right, <laughs> Nobel Peace Prize award. Um, you know, uh, you know, and she's delivering that speech, but it didn't matter to her, right? And she reads the rest of the teleprompter, but doesn't read it out loud, and it's like all the people that you will kill, their homes That's destroyed, right. <laughs> right. just we going just, down and down. Just, like, let's just, just fast forward just scroll to the end. Yeah. <laughs> I think this season was really escalation at its best mm-hmm. for seeing just how far she will go. Because they've set that precedent from the very beginning, that right. she's ruthless. She's going to do whatever it takes to get herself in a position of power and, and stay in a position of power. But from the beginning, they started with fire. And then, yeah, when you, it comes to the Tibet thing, you're like, oh, they can't get any worse than that. And then they do. And I think that's why Ben's a great point about you know the thing with Catherine and Marjorie. That's when it's something that's family-related, that's going to affect so many people, but also her actual daughter, her grandson at that point. You know, like, it's that's really, can you get any worse than that? Uh, and, right. you, and then you know, and that paid off. Then when we got when Catherine is legitimately overjoyed at her mother's death, it was and, the first time in seven seasons Margarita's. we've seen her purely just happy, right? Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, and Clea Duvall as Marjorie. I mean, there's really no. I, I, I hesitate to call some people out because I I literally don't think there was a weak link in this cast. Right? They are yeah. so good. Yep. Uh, uh, so funny, uh, all of them. Uh, and uh, but Clea Duvall's <laughs> Marjorie was so good in everything that they asked her to do. Yeah, I, I don't know that I've ever seen a better straight man. Yeah, the yeah. way that she delivered on every single line. Well, I mean, if there was a better, if there is a better straight man than Clea Duvall, it's <laughs> Gary Cole. I mean, who was you know invented it at yeah. least in, in this <laughs> in the modern era. They're all perfect. They're all they were all so good uh, throughout. And, you know, that was even a very telling moment, too. We saw Marjorie kind of lose it for the first time. I don't think we've ever really seen her lose her composure until that moment, again, where it was kind of that culminating, like, she can't get any worse than that. And if Marjorie's even going to lose her composure at that point, it's it's pretty bad. Yeah. I think because she's always so caught, like calm, cool, and collected, even in times of crisis, even when she was being recorded, you yeah. know, just a couple. It was always just man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are you recording me? Yeah, exactly. She's always been so calm. I'm curious whether any of these people, whether we are going to see, and, and forgive me if we have, whether we're going to see Anna Chalumsky or, or uh, uh, you know, for that matter, Gary Cole, for you know, Matt Walsh, Tony Hale, if any of these people are going to be able to. Is Sarah Sutherland who played Catherine? Are they going to be in? Are we going to see them? In dramatic performances, mm. like if they, are, or Timothy Simons. I mean, we, you know, it was just unbelievable. I mean, they owned every scene, dominated every scene uh, with these other great actors. Can they do? You know, uh, are, have they have they cast themselves for life uh, in comedies? I feel like if you can do comedy, you can do drama. That's because right. Comedy but, is getting to the core of the truth. That's and right. What I makes agree. things? Yeah, if you can do comedy, I mean, I, I, they're all capable of it. That, I don't have a, I don't doubt that for yeah. a second. It's a question of whether a casting director will. Uh, uh, we'll hire them. But yeah, you're right. right. Uh, uh, people who aren't funny uh, can't be funny. People who are funny uh, can make you cry. Can be, yeah. Yes, yeah. definitely. And it's always such a different ball game, too. Robert De Niro, one of the greatest actors of all time, is the worst person I've ever seen on Saturday Night Live. Right. I'm pretty sure Tom Atrocious. Hanks is the best actor <laughs> of all time. And Tom, Tom Tom, R.I.P. Tom. <laughs> R.I.P. Sure. 24. So I always wonder for a show like this, right? And, you know, HBO's got this relationship with Tom Hanks and uh, do. Do they call him, right? Does, does, <laughs> does do, do, they ha, do they have to say, hey, look, Tom, just a little heads up. 
We're going to play with your death in 25 years, right? Just so you know, we're just going to have a little mock tie. It's going to be super praiseworthy. We're going to give you a couple more Oscars, take you from two to four. I think we gave him some more kids. I don't know whether that's that. I don't know if he has four now. Um, But it's good news that he's still with Rita. You know, it was great. Yeah, it's right. right. So that was uh, the... But I'm curious. Like, do they feel like they got to give a little heads up to Tom Hanks, or they could just pull that off without him. We're HBO. We don't need to tell right. Tom Hanks that we're killing him in 24 years. There was only one other Tom Hanks reference in the entire season, and that was when um, Gary and Selena were having a major argument, and Gary's like, I'm your Wilson. You know, I've uh-huh. always been your Wilson. <laughs> I, I missed that. That was good. All Tom Hanks yeah. that we've gotten. Oh, well, speaking of Gary being her Wilson, yikes. That, that, I, that was a tough one to watch at the end. Um, did either of you see that coming for him having to be the fall guy? No, you figured. I mean, they literally said we got to get somebody, and you know, it was either it just they, we, you know, they tried to have it be Marjorie. Marjorie's too smart for it. Yeah. By the way, that gave a great moment when Marjorie deliberately got herself fired for saying her eyes looked puffy, which was great. Yeah. <laughs> Very little nice moment where Cal- I love you, right? Yeah. Uh, and then Gary looks in the bag and he's like, "I'll see you." Oh, this is better. Oh, the tampons are vertical. <laughs> Great, great, great great little moment. No, it was, you know, it's just, again, it's a sign of how there's no, there's nothing she, you know, our example of betraying her family could easily be replaced by betraying Gary, the person most loyal to her, Mm -hmm. as evidenced by the, essentially the final scene of the show with any of the characters that we really know that he's still, she sent him away to prison, she betrayed him, she never saw him again, and he brings her favorite lipstick to her casket and he cries. That scene broke my heart more than anything in this entire series. I felt so much pain just watching, you know, the sincerity in his face and, you know, it was it was it was legitimately emotional. Yeah. yeah, it was. I, I definitely did not see the emotional depth that they were going to hit in this one coming, especially towards the end, which let's just kind of jump into that because Richard obviously plays a role in that later. I know that was one thing I was like, I think he's going to be president. I wasn't sure when, but yeah. I knew he was going to be president at some point. I And speaking of delivery, all of his lines, all of his timing, his cadence on everything was always just so perfect. Same thing with, with uh, Sam Richardson, who played Richard, like his... Mm. Can, can can he do? Is he? I mean, he's so good, right? He's so perfect. They can, everybody is so perfect at this. Is that you know? And I don't want I don't want Sam Richardson forced to do only comedy the rest <laughs> of his life. But but that said, if you see a, a movie or a TV show, whatever comes next for any of these people, any of them, right? From from uh, Timothy Simons to to Anna Chlumsky, Matt Walsh, Reed Scott, right? All these guys. Will you? I think all of us will go see it. Like, oh, I'll, I'll see. I'll yeah. see. Oh, Sam Richardson's in it. Well, he'll be funny. Sold. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yep. Sold. Yeah. Well, let's talk about six months later, really quickly, and then we'll jump into the ending um, to kind of wrap stuff up. Uh, it was. It, I liked coming full circle that she hired um, Tom's uh, chief of staff onto hers. No, Ray yeah. Seymour. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. love that. But um, that, it that was, made me think. Actually, sorry to interrupt, but that made me think that they had an agreement. If you speak out against Tom James. You become my chief of staff. Probably, that's what yeah. I thought. Watching yeah, right. Of course, yeah. I'm sure that was true. At yeah. the very least, an unspoken one of like, right? Which we, know, may we know what this is. Which may have me. been why, when she said that thing to Anna Chlumsky to Amy, like, you know, uh, you irritated me, so you're Jonah's chief of staff, right? Because yeah. you'd mm-hmm. figure that 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 she'd hire Amy for that job, but no, yeah. she had to give it to Racy. Yeah, you bothered me. Deal with right, that. Right. I'm hiring her. She right. helped I me. Made, <laughs> I made a deal. Right. Exactly. And I think that was really the culmination of seeing every. Everyone just getting picked off through this entire episode 
of her in the Oval Office by herself. She got Sue back, which was, again, well, she, fun They weren't to see, picked but... off. She picked them off. Yeah, exactly. Right. She, <laughs> right. she, she shot her own staff. Right. This friendly fire killed yeah. all of them. I right. felt like the Trump, you're fired, you're fired, you're fired to everyone he's yeah. done that with in his staff. It, yeah, it definitely mimicked that. Yeah. And then, I mean, to see that, that final scene of just really seeing her calling for Gary and then realizing, wait, Gary's not here. And then her just by herself. Her, and just the manner in which she reaches, she grabs, you know, with the Israeli prime minister. She's like, someone. Yeah. Someone I can talk to. Yep, yeah. So from there, we just get that quick glimpse of her being, you know, very much all alone. And then to 24 years later, did not see this coming at all. I kind of assumed there would be a time jump. I didn't realize this far in advance. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like, though... I didn't see Selena, you know, it ending with her funeral, but every single character, what a what a like perfect kind of ending for all of them character wise. Yeah, it was a great Yeah. Really and great. it actually hurt that they decided to go with that choice of her having a funeral and passing away. But I think it was the best way to demonstrate everyone's relationship to her as a character on the show. There's yep. no better way to do that. I just wish they didn't kill her off. Um, and she's only in her seventies, right? It's twenty-four years later. So I think that they, uh, you know, we, uh, that again, I, 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 I sense that we'd get that because why else do we have her? You know, we we spent about five or six minutes earlier in the season talking about who would come to her state funeral, right? Mm-hmm. Get it? Why so get? Why get? And, of course, and all the people she banned were there, every one of them. Like so, yep. even that was done incompetently. Right, so even you know she didn't want she didn't want President Montez there, right? And she was there, right? Uh, and he's she, giving the eulogy, right, right, right. So <laughs> and, you oh know, so even again, even that, uh, didn't, she certainly didn't want Tom James there, and of yeah. course he was there, yeah. And I mean, really, right down to the last second of just incompetent people around her, they can't even get her her casket into the crypt. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, right. So right down to the end, I feel like they did such a good job of like pulling on the heartstrings in this episode, but also really keeping to what the theme of the show has been and the premise. And Mina, to your point of really sh- putting out the best way to like show where these characters came from. Right. And I think they gave us a little bit too, which was wonderful of, of Selena's sort of uh, insane and debilitating and destructive in the end, self-absorption certainly mm. relevant to the uh, current uh, commander in chief. Yeah. But the uh, um, that uh, uh, that there at the end, right? We so we get this sort of touching moment with Tony Hale, right? And, and I mean, it's really beautiful, right? That he brings her the lipstick, and it's totally touching. Um, and then they can't get her casket in, right? So that's a little funny. And then in this moment where you think you're going to get some speech from Mike. From Matt Walsh, we cut away, and so even and you just imagine Selena again and her complete self-absorption. Like, will you let me have the day of my state funeral? And instead, the last things are as we honor whatever it was, you know, this American hero, Tom yeah. Hanks. Yeah, right. That that's stolen from her, and she would of course take that. She would take Tom Hanks's death personally. Yeah. I feel like that that scene alone demonstrated so many different things. It demonstrated the importance of legacy and how you're going to affect the lives of everyone around you. And after all of that, after seven seasons, all we get is, oh, she reversed gay marriage permanently and she freed Tibet Tibet once. Right. So that was her legacy. Freed and unfreed Tibet. She had nothing else. But I think it also demonstrated our 24-hour news cycle and how everyone's so quick to jump onto the next story, but then we'll highlight one story for like seven days in the mainstream news media and it's going to be one story. Tom Hanks is dead. Tom Hanks is dead. Tom Hanks is dead. It's going to be that. 
then it's going to be one-on-one interviews with Tom Hanks, his legacy, then it's going to be something else with Tom Hanks, until the next thing comes around, and then everyone's so quick to forget about it and go on to the next thing. So it just demonstrated, like, the lack of care and compassion for... They were were savage to CNN. I mean, sort of, you know, the manner in which stuff was covered. You know, there's that one moment uh, where the anchor... What the hell was that actor's name? He's so great, too. Pete from uh, 30 Rock. And... uh, uh, and you know where he says that uh, that Jonah is among the worst. It wasn't in the last episode; but it was in the last season where jo- Jonah is among the worst uh, uh, politicians he's ever encountered. The dumbest uh, danger to America says destructive things, and then they and they say when we come back. Uh, you know, we'll have uh, 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 Jonah's uh, uh, campaign rally. From, <laughs> I don't, it's like, like, so, I mean, that's yeah. a little sign of no matter how much people said Trump, you know, but there was uh, CNN, certainly Fox, and, and to some extent uh, also, no, not even to some extent, uh, MSNBC also covering him and giving him uh, that time. And they did the exact same thing with Jonah. So I thought for some time that they were actually going to give, they did a nice job sort of leading us to believe Oh, it's Jonah who's going to win, right? You know, and even twice, once during the the heart of the campaign, and then again, you thought he was going to steal it uh, at the convention. Just like the Hillary Clinton's going to win, the numbers are there, and then just, you know, being completely blindsided and then figuring out Trump wins. Well, and I feel like one of the best parallels in this episode, I had to write down the line just because it was so perfect, it was Amy, um, when she was trying to convince Lena to not choose Jonah, and she said, you cannot let an embittered, vindictive, narcissistic man-child be one heartbeat away from presidency, let alone be the president. Yeah, no, that was, that was a direct... Mm-hmm. Wow. That, that, usually, <laughs> their, 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 their shots at Trump were uh, uh, usually more subtle. I loved that, don't yeah. get me wrong, but that one was... Uh, we're talking about Trump here. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Might, she yeah. might as well have just accidentally right. called him. That's Donald. right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that could have been their Starbucks. They, they could have been their Starbucks cup. <laughs> just let let one Trump out. It was an accident, just right. like on Game of Thrones. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, any last overall thoughts on the episode? I just I, I feel like the whole episode was her selling every single principle she had that she never really had to begin with and then showing the isolation that comes with the power that you've sought. You know, you're not surrounded by anyone at this point because you've stepped on everyone to get to the top instead of worked with everyone and been appreciative of the people who helped you get to where you are. You know, she didn't win the election fairly and, I mean, it's it's evident that she's not enjoying the presidency either. Yeah. Um, I, I I think it'll hold up. Um, you know, the show adapted to Trump, uh, clearly. Um, you know, it didn't have as clear an enemy. It had sort of politics in general. But now so many, uh, uh, there are so many ignorant people uh, that we now see in positions of power uh, in the media and uh, and clearly uh, in politics, at the highest uh, levels of politics, that the show, that's, again, I think significantly the show got much crazier, got much more farcical, took much bigger risks starting in uh, uh, in season six and seven. But by the end, I really thought they they delivered on those. And I imagine this is still going to be funny, you know, 10 years from now. Yeah. I think the only way it won't be relevant is if we take money out of politics, in which case none of this is going to make sense. <laughs> because that's right. this whole 
show revolves around money and politics and how that influences elections. So we'll be like, well, none of this is realistic. Major, <laughs> yeah, everyone would be like, none of this is realistic. The money, politics, what? Yeah, yeah that's so true. I that's guess a- the message is take money out of politics and we won't have this mess. So the show was created by Armando Iannucci, and uh, I just want to, you know, his, I think it was 2008, but his really wonderful movie about the run-up to the Iraq War, which is really like the, it's almost like the pilot episode of Veep uh, called In the Loop, which is as, as funny a movie as I have seen in some time, and one of the funniest movies I've seen in the last 10 years. And then a movie he made last year, Death of Stalin, uh, both, were, if any Veep fan should check out In the Loop and, and Death of Stalin, both made by the creator of Veep, and they are both incredibly funny. Nice. Yeah, I think through and through that was one thing that I, you can never... The ensemble and the writing are probably the two things that stood out for me the whole time. I mean, the show is so well done from top to bottom, but what an ensemble cast. I don't know if... You, let's, I'm going to ask the most impossible question ever. Yeah. Favorite in the ensemble. Oh, I, I, mean, I mean, Selena. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, this is the the, mo- the easiest answer, and it's very straightforward, but Selena... I mean, from Seinfeld to this, she does a phenomenal job. She's so funny. I mean... There's no... Literally, I would give all of the main ten characters A's. Like, yeah. I don't think there was a week... I mean, you know, Reed, Dan, the guy who played Reed Scott, who played Dan Egan. I mean, that guy is so funny. But I, And Gary Cole is a genius. Gary right? Cole is one of my favorites. And by the way, Reed Scott yeah. does a really good Gary Cole impersonation. So, he, uh, <laughs> but, And Timothy Simons, you know, who played Jonah. But I think... So I think Timothy Simons and Anna Chlumsky, uh, because uh, I think those were the hardest roles to play. Because uh, yeah. easily Jonah could have become so stupid that you ignored him. And somehow uh, he managed to ground that part in some little tiny moments of reality, just like the way he asks his mom for, you know, can I have some sliced apples with the mac and cheese, you know, uh, stuff like that. And the way he went from enraged to calm, right? I mean, he's such a talented actor. But but Anna Chlumsky had actual sort of emotional ups and downs, and I think she consistently delivered them. Yeah, same. I mean, all all across the board, but I'd, I'd have to go with Anna Thompson myself, just because I think in a lot of episodes, too, specifically, I would call her out as one of my favorites. Just the levels that she hit and the intensity that she brought to that character just every single time, she just hit the mark. She had she had more notes to play, and she yeah. played them all really well, yeah. Beautifully. Well, let's uh, let's let's chat it up with you a little bit, Ben. Learn learn a little bit more about you. I think uh, Mina wanted to. We have a, a couple things to jump into. Yeah, I guess I just wanted to get an understanding of how you got into Veep in the first place and that intersection of politics with comedy. Yeah, well, I mean, politics is funny. It's fun to talk about politics. I grew up in D.C. around politics. My dad was uh, Bobby Kennedy's press secretary and ran George McGovern's campaign in 1972. He ran for Congress, lost in the in 1976. Uh, you know, uh, he was involved with uh, uh, Ted Kennedy's uh, insurgent challenge to Jimmy Carter in 1980 with Gary Hart in 84 and then again in attempt in, in, in 88. Um, you know, politics always in our family, that's what that was, the, you know, well before movies for me growing up was uh, uh, was politics. So and my dad was funny and, you know, politics is funny. I mean, you know, funny <laughs> things happen. And, and, and we have, you know, for 240 years in this country sort of consistently uh, elevated uh, unqualified people to incredibly important positions. I mean, especially in like, you know, I mean, state legislatures are filled with people who ought to be in Congress and who ought to be in prison. Right. Like there's a nice mix of people who <laughs> seem like they should go back to eighth grade and people who are like, why don't we have this guy or this woman uh, in Congress? You know, so um, 
Uh, I uh, so you know I mean I took to it you know I, I mean the, my favorite movies are about politics and it's rare that a movie gets politics exactly right you know there's some great ones but a lot of them get it wrong and oversimplify it and make it silly and while this made it silly they they didn't really get the crux of it wrong they got a lot of it right and my my dad loved us she died four years ago but he he was he was into veep Mm. I think we talked about it early on in the season that I remember reading um, they had polled a bunch of White House staffers and asked out of all the current political shows on TV what's kind of most accurate to what life is really mm-hmm. like. And Veep was the, the outstanding winner in that poll. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I did an interview uh, once with uh, not too long ago uh, with Samantha Power because I think she did. She was the focus of a movie called The Last Year. I think it was called The Last Year. I hope it was uh, by Greg Barker about. And it was a documentary on the last year of Obama's foreign policy team, Samantha Power and John Kerry and Ben Rhodes. But Obama was in it too. And and uh, and and in a Q and A with Samantha Power, she said that what got her to some extent. Somebody asked a question. Not I didn't ask it. Unfortunately, sort of what was the thing that surprised you most that that you were unable to do like one what one thing about politics that you had heard when you got into power that that I not so much surprised you but that you were unable to accomplish and she said what really gets you is the inability uh to do more than one thing like she's one of the smartest people out there right An enormously accomplished uh, woman and she said man what you get like you, you, when if you're worried about regime change in Egypt you can't do anything else, right? Then that takes up all your energy. It's incredibly hard to do more than one thing at a time. She didn't quite understand why that was even, but that's clearly something that we, and I think Veep sort of gets that, that they're trying to do one thing and then something else happens and it just totally throws everybody off course. There's so many issues right now to worry about with the way our society is. What's one issue for you that is the most important that we need immediate change on in terms of either policy or just um, reform? Well, you mentioned one. Certainly uh, money out of politics would make a huge difference. I feel like money would still find its way back in. But I think we'd get a long way if we made it incredibly easy and incredibly attractive for people to vote. And if anybody who tried to keep people from voting uh, were run out of American politics forever. Uh, no one should ever take a stand that makes it harder for Americans to go to the polls. Mm-hmm. Um, and and for 50 years now, longer, but certainly since the Voting Rights Act, you know, the last 54 years, we've had we've had one side aggressively try to keep people from voting. And, you know, I'm always pleased that, that I come down on the side no matter what. Uh, and this is not all it has not always been a Democrat and Republican issue, but it is a there is a right and wrong on this issue. And if uh, the more people vote, the stronger the country is. No. It becomes well an actual democracy then where you can comes actually a, represent the interests of the, the people comes that are a little, voting. A little closer to a democracy and, 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 you know, and you blunt and, you know, until we get money out of politics, one way to blunt the influence of money is to get regular people voting. Uh, and the efforts to keep uh, 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 minorities, poor folks, frequently poor minorities uh, from voting is, uh, I mean, it is shameful and it is un-American. And everyone who has played a role in it is not fit to serve in the United States of America. Hmm. Well said. Well, um, speaking of not served to, <laughs> <laughs> not fit to serve, um, I know uh, Mina also has a little something uh, that was written by someone not fit to serve. <laughs> <laughs> we 
do. <laughs> little special treat here. Oh. Why don't you show our, our audience your little present in here? <laughs> oh, fantastic. What do we have here? The anticipation. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, uh, there we go. Selena Meyer. Uh, a woman first, first woman. That's so great. <laughs> it's, you can flip through the pages. It's it, really funny. It's it, an autobiography. Is it, so it's a, this is an actual book. This is an actual oh. book. It's an actual autobiography about her life, and it is hilarious. I haven't read all of it, but I've, I've gone through some of the pages and seen. You'll really enjoy this one. Uh, that's so great. Yeah. <laughs> if not, there's a Barnes & Noble gift receipt, right? <laughs> but also, no, no, no. I'm, uh, I'm definitely keeping it, but Richard Splett, Dedication. Uh, uh, role model, romance. <laughs> There's like four pages of the romance with Richard Splett daydreaming about drugs and it's great. So good. Like what a it's, great idea for that show yeah. to actually make this book. It's yeah. it's great. The style of writing is honestly hilarious. It's it mirrors the writing on Veep. So it's uh, here, page one oh seven. Okay, what's the White House like? It's a dump. That's what Trump said, right? In its defense, it was built a long time ago, more than 100 years ago, when I suppose standards were different. We all know that great story about President Taft in the bathtub. But while standards of luxury as well as standards of living generally may have improved very considerably since the White House was built and considered luxurious, the people, quote, in charge of the White House, whoever they may be, seem to have made little effort to keep pace. I forgot Taft got stuck in the bathtub. That's right, yeah. I, I now remember that story. <laughs> when I took notes in college, uh, William Howard Taft was always uh, abbreviated in my notes BBT for Big Bill Taft. That's great. Yeah. Well, speaking, we have uh, we're going to do one quote. We have oh, a special good. segment. Speaking of things that Trump have said, this is called uh, "What Trump's Veep." Yes. Okay. So in the this segment, is, this is this is either a Trump quote or a line from Veep. Yes, it's it. either a right. Trump quote or a line from Veep. Right. Um, we built a school. We build a road. They blow up the school. We build another school. We build another road. They blow them up. We build again. In the meantime, we can't get an effing school in Brooklyn. That's got to be Veep. That's actually Donald Trump. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is, that is Donald Trump. Can we do one more? Yeah, it's okay with me. You yeah. go to the hospital, you have a broken arm, you come out, you are a drug addict with this crap. <laughs> I mean, now I've, I mean, that so rattled me, the first one. Uh, I will go again with Veep. That's actually Donald Trump. Oh, my God. <laughs> let's, do, let's do a third one, actually. Let's I'm going to get one. Let's get do a one third for one. crying out loud. Um, do I have to give the book back if I miss this one? <laughs> no, the book is yours regardless. I think my physicians are going to be what the people in this room come up with. That's Veep. That's Donald Trump. No. <laughs> I thought third time would be a Give the book back. For more great quotes, either go to Google.com and type in Trump embarrassing quotes or Selena Meyer, a woman first, first woman. Pull it right from the book. Don't feel that. I think all season we're running at about a 20% uh, rate right now. That's yeah, correct these answers. Are, these are so difficult. That's what's so scary about Veep. And super fun, super climate. terrifying. <laughs> All right. Well, again, Ben, thank you so much for coming in. Amy Mina, thank you very much for having me. Excellent. Well, I'll um, be here for season eight. I look forward to seeing you. Yes, yeah. yeah. Predictions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Mina, let us know where uh, we can find both of you um, online, what you guys are working on right now. You can find me on uh, minawahab.com or go to my Instagram, Mina Makes Magic. 
Uh, whatever. Fine. Ben Manx 77 on Twitter. But that doesn't matter. Uh, look, every Thursday night uh, throughout May and in June, uh, Turner Classic Movies, uh, World War II movies, all in every primetime Thursday night, uh, all in commemoration of the 75th uh, anniversary of the D-Day invasion, June 6th, 1944, most consequential day of the 20th century. Very cool. And I'm Amy Maestri. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Maestri. And for more comedy and politics, I do the SNL after show as well. We have two episodes left of the season if you want to tune in on Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Central or uh, Pacific. Sorry about that, guys. Thank you so much. Bye, Veep. <laughs> Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 